The financial world is always moving quickly. So clients always want a business that's going to be able to support them and that they can trust and that has a strong track record of performance. One such company is Bank Goldman Sachs, a firm that's been around for well over a century in the United States, has multiple lines of business, but has its flagship investment banking department, which typically leads the industry in terms of the deals that they do. So let's learn today about one of the premier investment banks in the country, Goldman Sachs. Right. Hello, welcome to Stock Stories. My name is Alex Mason. I am your stock storyteller and your host. This is the show where we discuss all of the S&P 500 companies. We're going through them one by one, and we've studied over 145 businesses so far. Now, today, we're going to be continuing our series with banks. We're going to be talking about the Bank of Goldman Sachs. So let's go ahead and get into the history right now. Goldman Sachs started all the way back in the 1800s in 1869 when German immigrant Marcus Goldman moved to Manhattan, New York and began trading commercial paper. Now, what does that mean? What is commercial paper? Well, the credit market at the time was very tight. So what Marcus would do is he would buy merchants promissory notes or loans and then sell them to commercial banks and then make a profit in the process. And this ended up working out very well for him. He ended up hiring his son-in-law, Samuel Sachs, in 1882, and they formed a business called Goldman Sachs and Company in 1885. They ended up expanding their offices throughout the late 1800s, as well as their line of business into areas such as foreign exchange, gold shipments, and more. So they became much more than just a commercial paper buyer and seller. Now, fast forward to the early 1900s, Companies were expanding and they needed more long-term capital. So they started getting into the investment banking business. For example, they helped Sears Roebuck go public in 1906, one of the biggest IPOs at the time. And remember, Sears, the retailer, was huge. And this is, of course, before the days of Amazon and Target, etc. Now, their approach was unique because at this time, Businesses were mainly valued based on the physical assets that they held. But Goldman Sachs decided to value businesses not just based on their assets, but based on the power of their earnings, that is, their ability to make profits. And that opened up a whole new opportunity to raise money from investors. In fact, Goldman Sachs helped invent the now famous price-to-earnings ratio as a way of having a valuation metric on businesses. Now, keep in mind that at this time, the Great Depression had not happened yet, and security analysis as a discipline had not been invented. Benjamin Graham wasn't even around yet, so this was pretty innovative stuff at the time. Goldman Sachs employee Sidney Weinberg became a senior partner at the firm in 1930, and he helped shape the next phase of the company over the next couple of decades. Now, the business became known for its innovation in trading capabilities specifically, For example, the development of quote-unquote block trading, which is buying and selling stock in large blocks of shares. And they also helped underwrite major financial transactions of that era, such as the IPO of Ford Motor Company in 1956. Now, into the 1960s, they ended up creating one of Wall Street's first mergers and acquisitions departments, 
and expanded internationally in the 1970s. So they were very much pioneering these fields. They created the Goldman Sachs Asset Management section of their business, expanding beyond investment banking in 1988. So not only were they advising companies on buying and selling themselves, but they were also advising businesses as well as individuals in terms of asset management. And then in the late 90s, in 1998, they decided after a lot of debate to go public themselves in order to raise additional capital for expansion. One of the more recent changes in Goldman Sachs was in 2017 when the company launched a consumer deposit platform called Marcus because they weren't really into interfacing with consumers, but more so institutions and businesses. And this didn't really go as well as planned. And the company has since scaled down their consumer division significantly, but it is still part of their business. And then another recent development is in 2019, Goldman Sachs worked with Apple to create their Apple card. So they're making strides with their technology, making strides with different aspects of their business. But historically, this is a business that has been very strong in their investment banking and asset management divisions. Let's take a look now at Goldman Sachs business model, understand where they are today and how we can think about this from the investor perspective. Well, I've looked at their most recent annual report and spent a lot of time reading it. One of the most simple things to understand about a business when you're first digging into it is looking at part one of the 10K. And there's an item there called item one business. And that's going to tell you at the most basic level how the firm views themselves, what they see themselves doing as a business. And for Goldman Sachs, they have three different divisions. They have a global banking and markets division, assets and wealth management, and platform solutions. Now let's talk about each of these for a moment. Now global banking and markets was a merger of some prior divisions because the firm was a little bit organized differently in a couple of years ago. Uh, but they have this investment banking section. So they provide advisory services to businesses, equity underwriting, that's like IPOs, for example, that I mentioned earlier, debt underwriting, let's say a business needs to raise money by taking out loans, they help with that. And then you have FICC. FICC is a combination of actually a bunch of different asset classes that the bank works with. So fixed income, commodities, and currencies. So imagine trading oil, for example, or gold, or dealing in municipal bonds. Those kinds of things are ways that the firm makes money. And then you also have equities, equities intermediation, equities financing, helping companies raise capital. Let's say a business needs to raise capital that's already public and it needs to do a secondary offering. That's something that Goldman Sachs could help with. So this is a very core aspect of the business. And now we turn our attention to the assets and wealth management division. This is pretty much like your bread and butter asset management business model or structure where the company takes a pool of assets, they manage them on behalf of clients, and then they take fees off of it. So we can see here that they have private banking and lending, incentive fees, and then other fees for a variety of things. And Goldman Sachs is pretty big. I believe they have over a trillion dollars under management and over $2 trillion under supervision. So they're very much a big player in the asset management space, and it, they derive a lot of their revenue from that, which we'll see here in a moment. And then their third part of their business is called platform solutions. They have consumer platforms, they do some transaction banking, 
but really, this is a pretty small part of their business as of now. And only in the past few years has Goldman Sachs really waded in the waters of consumer platforms. Of course, everyone wants a piece of the payment space in one form or another. So Goldman Sachs is kind of playing around there, but not really a huge part of the business right now. All right, let's take a look now at Goldman Sachs financials. How are they actually performing as a business? So I've got the latest 10K pulled up here, and I'm looking at the last few years of the income statement specifically. Now, looking at their revenues, we can see that, yeah, they make their money from investment banking activities, that those are the fees that they charge clients for that segment of the business, investment management, commissions and fees, market making, and other principal transactions. So let me break this down real quick. So investment banking, we already talked a little bit about that. Mergers and acquisitions, helping companies buy and sell each other, that kind of thing. That's what that line item is. Investment management, that is literally having assets on behalf of other clients and taking a cut of the assets under management. Commissions and fees, imagine things like trading activities, Goldman Sachs is really big into trading and has been for many years. They're innovators in that field, so they make money that way. And then market making. What is market making? Goldman Sachs is, quote unquote, a market maker. So someone wants to buy a stock, they'll look and find the seller and then charge a small fee based on that difference and vice versa. Someone's looking to sell an asset. Someone wants to buy it. Goldman Sachs finds that buyer and they make a little spread on the difference in prices. You might see that as the bid or the ask price on a publicly traded stock, for example. So that's a really big aspect of their business. In fact, in 2022, they made over $18 billion in revenue off of that. So literally half of their revenue is coming from this market-making segment. Uh, we see investment banking fell a lot in this past year. It literally got cut in half. And this is consistent with some of the revenues we've seen in other companies we've been covering in this bank series lately. They went from $14 billion in 2021 to just $7 billion in 2022. And that's just a result of the market and deal activity right now. But look, there's a bright spot here with investment management. In 2020, investment management revenue was just under $7 billion dollars. It went up to $8 billion in 2021, and now it's $9 billion in 2022. So very steady growth of their investment management business. I wouldn't be surprised if this started to rival the market-making form of revenue for Goldman Sachs in the future. So overall, the business is doing pretty well. They've recovered from uh, COVID in terms of certain aspects of their business, but their investment banking division needs some help, but that's just cyclical. That's going to come back over time. And then further down in the income statement, I won't get too into the weeds here, but just know that a lot of their expenses are compensation and benefits. Look at this, $15 billion in compensation and benefits. It's literally half of their expenses. And hey, that's because investment bankers make a lot of money, especially the managing directors and the partners. They're literally getting paid millions of dollars to do their work. And so, yeah, there's a lot of compensation there. And then you have a lot of other expenses as well. The firm ultimately profited about $10.7 billion this past year, uh, a far cry from the $21 billion that they made in 2021. But 2021 was just kind of an insane year for the markets in general. And Goldman Sachs profited a lot off of that. So they're making a good amount of money. They're going through maybe a little bit of a downturn here, but it remains to be seen how long 
that will last. Let's take a quick look here at the balance sheet and the cash flow statement for Goldman Sachs, just to take a quick peek. So as far as assets go, the business has a good amount of money in cash over $240 million or excuse, yeah, million dollars. I want to make sure I got that correct. And uh, as far as liabilities go, their overall borrowings, yeah, nothing too crazy. It looks like their overall long-term debt is around $247 billion. So their cash position is relatively good relative to the loans that they have. Um, and let's go ahead now and look at the cash flow statement. So cash flow from operating activities, pretty good here. It pretty much mirrors the income statement. They have um, a decent amount of adjustments for, let's see here, collateralized transactions. Honestly, I'm not completely sure what that is. So I'm going to have to look that up. And if you if you know what that is, leave me a comment <laughs> so that uh, I can understand that better. And everyone else uh, watching or listening can understand that better. As far as investing activities, they're spending a lot of money purchasing businesses. Look at this, $60 billion in 2022 on acquisitions. So this is a business that is making lots of moves in terms of acquiring, not so much buying physical things. Remember, they're a financial company, so property plan and equipment is not so big for them. But yeah, lots, lots of money used for acquisitions and just investing in the business Think about all the technology, the software, the computers, the the conference rooms, all those things need to be invested in over time. So there's tens of billions of dollars going into that. As far as financing activities go, this is a business that pays a dividend. So $3.6 billion went to dividends last year. They also buy back a decent amount of stock, $3.5 billion of stock purchase last year. So they're returning about, let's say, $7 billion dollars to shareholders every year, which if we look at the overall cash flow, look, they, they made $8.7 billion in operating cash in 2022. So they're returning a very good amount of the cash flow that the business is actually generating to shareholders. And I think that's a good thing. And that makes sense for a large bank. Large banks typically pay out a lot of dividends, typically buy back a lot of stock, and Goldman Sachs here is no exception. So what do I think about Goldman Sachs as a stock? Well, the stock, as I'm recording this, is trading at around $325 per share. And that leaves it at a price-to-earnings ratio of around 11.5, 11.5. So nothing too crazy here, I think, either on an overvalued or undervalued side. But look at this price history. Over the past five years, they've gone up about 38% in terms of their stock price. Of course, this doesn't include the dividends paid out. I believe this is about a 7% compound annual growth rates over the last five years. So, you know, that's kind of lagging the market, honestly. But if you include the dividend, it's probably matching the market, maybe even beating it a little bit. So Goldman Sachs has performed decently. I would say that this is the kind of stock you want to buy in a bank crash, like we saw very recently. I mean, the stock traded as low as $300 or so just a couple of months ago in March when there was a lot of activity related to Silicon Valley Bank collapsing. So keep an eye on this one. This is one that I like during a bank crash, but I don't see it being super undervalued right now. Though it does pay a healthy dividend of 3%. Well, <laughs> I shouldn't necessarily say healthy. I mean, interest rates have changed now. So a healthy dividend yesterday is around 3%. A healthy dividend today is maybe something around 5 or 6% for 
for a company paying dividends. So Goldman Sachs, I like the quality of the business. I mean, they're, they have a really strong business in their investment banking, as well as their asset management businesses in particular. Those are kind of the two cornerstones of this business. But I would love to see this at an eight or nine times earnings valuation. And that would be more attractive to me personally. But that's what I think about Goldman Sachs. Thank you so much. And I'll see you on the next one. This is Alex Mason with Stock Stories. Bye.